Hi, this is Arun from arunsyoga.in. I am a software engineer who mostly works with Node.js, PHP and other backend technologies. And I am an open source contributor as well. I am a tantric by birth in a family which is passing tantric wisdom from generations to generations from past 2000 years of legacy and got lucky to travel across India and got chances to study under various gurus from different backgrounds and disciplines. You could connect with me in arunsyoga.in. Here I am helping you to design a divine lifestyle which is based on Vedic astrology, tantra and other yogic system of understanding. Hello and welcome to another episode of Arun's Yoga Podcast. Today we are having a guest. Her name is Brenda. Brenda Asterino lives on Lopez Island, Washington. She works as a private and public educator for nearly 25 years. When life was forever changed by a car accident. Her education include an AA in humanities, BS in biology and MA in education along with many years of training in parapsychology, energy work and body work. Her latest book is titled Pathways Walking Through Creation. Its ISBN is 9781736535844 can be bought from dif- different platforms. In a today's podcast, we are not going to discuss about her chat. However, rather we are discussing about her poetry even she is singing one of one for us her vision about new world her love towards india and spirituality you could connect with her using this email id b r e n a s t e r at a o l .com So welcome to our new episode of podcast Poetry with Brenda So yeah hi hi we have a guest uh, she is a writer and uh, a spiritual wizard <laughs> so now uh, let's uh, talk to uh, Brenda regarding what is her views about the all the spiritual sciences and stuff like that and uh, brenda you are saying that you have a very good dream about india what is that making uh, india is so seductive for you like um i don't know if i've had a past life in, in india i wouldn't be surprised if there were many i just I'm always happy to read or see anything I can about India, the traditions, the um history. I just it's it seems the country seems vibrant to me. And even when I hear about hard times there, I hear about community and I hear about people trying to do things so that it's better for more people and 
there just seems to be a stream of a family connection that goes through India that is very drawing to me. It makes me feel good. Um, Have you got any chance to come to India? Like, no, and I'm probably too old now to make a a long trip like that. And with COVID and everything, I don't know if I will make it. But um, um, it would certainly be a desire for something to do. Maybe, maybe I'll come back as someone from India. I don't know, but it was. It's a. I think it's an important beginning of the world culture. And I think that people don't understand how far back the history of India goes and how much we all could learn culturally and probably, well, certainly spiritually, but maybe also scientifically. If we studied India, more and got more in-depth information about India worldwide. I think India has a lot to offer the world. So if you get a chance to visit India, which part of India you would be going to? That's a good question. For example, you go to 30 days in India, you you have somehow you have managed all the problems in your life and you decided okay let me go for 30 days to india and india is from the lecture views to the himalaya is so big there is different cultures different languages from one place to another place if you go the uh, the amount of the language they speak will vary the amount of the culture they share it will vary the dress code of the peoples will vary even the um, you know climate also will vary like uh, uh, from like lecture to himalayan region so in a this kind of diverse stuff where do you want to go exactly well, see, see you just presented to everybody the smorgasbord the variety and the the um there's the excitement of the festivals and the city festivals then there's the tranquility and the peace of the mountains um I would want to travel through different parts and I would want to make sure I got there during some of the major festivals. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, the, yes, the yeah, festival go, go, go. that happens yearly by, um, by the Ganges River. What is the name of that large town? Uh, Kashi. Kashi is the... Yes. The yes, where uh, we cremated body, like we burn the dead bodies. Like uh, in Indian culture, we believe we should not bury the body. Like uh, because in Indian culture, we don't believe in uh, this uh, um, salvation. You know, the after death, uh, somebody will come and recreate you again. No, we believe in uh, uh, reincarnation, like yeah. birth and rebirth and things like that. So we burn, usually we burn dead bodies and uh, we don't uh, put the land for no use like if you build graves across like uh, there will be only graves 
you can't do anything else like you know <laughs> because people uh, get birth and they die also like you know so so yeah, that there's... city is called uh, kashi that is benares um, the ganges uh, ganga puja also will be there uh, like uh, hundreds of people will be doing the ganges puja in uh, one region uh, that is called the ganges uh, i mean the uh, kashi benares i think it's really interesting to look at cultures and compare the ones with vibrant colors in their ceremonies to other countries like mine, where the higher level people either wear very dark blue or they wear white and beiges a lot. And I think there's a lot to, to be said. And I think it would be interesting to do research sometime into the countries that um, promote a lot of color in their festivals and their activities and their dance um, how that relates to the diversity of the culture in survival over time. And I think the color <laughs> and that diversity lends itself to the survival of people. So, because it feeds the soul. Land colors don't do much <laughs> to feed anything. But I'm really glad you brought up reincarnation because I can remember, um, although I get confused, I believe in genetic memory too, but I've been able to prove one of my genetic memories or I, yeah, it would be a genetic memory, but I also have memories of being in other times that have given me strength to help sustain me through this lifetime. So that's been, that's been a blessing in my lifetime. So uh, can you talk a bit about you? Like people should be interested to know about a bit about you, like what you do, you write, you write uh, uh, poems, you write books. Uh, so just a little bit about you, like, um, I grew up Italian-American. My dad was first-generation Italian-American, so I have, I've always had a soft place for immigrants. Um, I, and I believe in the, uh, that power of diversity for anywhere you live. Um, I, my parents divorced when I was young, so when I was growing up, um, I was born in 47. So when I was growing up, it was a bad label to have on you that you came from divorced parents. They called it being from a broken home. And that was sort of meant that you were inclined not to turn out well or whatever. Um, both my parents were people who in some ways were very embedded in a, the American culture, but in other ways promoted us thinking for ourselves. And that has been a good thing in my life. Um, I have a master's of arts in the theory and practice of education. I was in education for a number of years until a car accident took me out of my career. Um, I do write. I also do a lot of volunteer work. 
um, I'm, I believe in family and community and um, help. I like to promote those concepts with people. Yes, um, I do. I have been involved, uh, especially on my mom's side of the family. People believe in the paranormal and the supernatural. And so I've spent part of my life delving into that also. In fact, that's sort of been a thread through my life. And it's been something that now it's being called parapsychology instead of paranormal. And to associate it with an expansion of consciousness, I think is a, I'm so glad that happened during my lifetime <laughs> that people are talking about it in that vein. In America, in the United States, that has, that has been something that's been put down. Um, over the years, sort of science took the lead in everything, and but science was used to squash people's experiences if they weren't understood. And now that's kind of coming full circle, and there's larger numbers of people who respect those experiences. And I think those experiences are very important to us. And I think they'll become more important as we need to figure out and survive the changes that our world is going through. Um, what is that genetical memory you have just uh, referred to? What do you mean by that? Like, can you explain uh, that? Like, when I was little, I used to hum Jewish songs and there were no Jews in the family and we had no Jewish friends. So I don't know where that came from, but I've always thought both on my mom and my dad's side that we had some Jewish lineage. And I've, you know, with all the genealogy research that's been going on, I don't know if it's popular where you are, but it's been very popular in the United States. Um, nothing comes up, but I just kept having this feeling and it was strong. And I would find things in uh, research on the internet that would associate my last name, which is my maiden name. I'm divorced and I took my maiden name back. Um, I could, that would associate my name with possible Jewish lineage. So um, just recently, because of the DNA tests, I was put in contact with a, a distant cousin and she told me about a Rabbi Barbara in Calabria, Italy, which Calabria is where my relatives come from, my Italian relatives. And um, uh, she was, that, that, that lineage especially had a clan name. They lived up in the mountains of Calabria and they had a clan name. So I gave her that information and some other names in that part of the family. And it turns out that those were crypto Jews. They were the Jews who, in escaping the Inquisition, um, 
they hid in the mountains of Italy. And that group, that one family, the Estorino family, a large number of them stayed up in the mountains even up through now. And um, so there is Jewish in my family and I'm exploring it on my mom's side now. Um, yeah, that, that was one that was one that we were able to prove. And growing up, I always had a love of France too. And I always felt a strong connection there. And I, I've had, um, you wanna call them daydreams or whatever you wanna call them, um, that I had a sense of having been there before. And it turned out from my cousin's father's research on my mother's side that I do have um, uh, French lineage also. And it's interesting because a lot of the ones that I remember are about uh, survival. It's about people who were persecuted and the survival of, of people through really hard times. And I, I kind of think that's a good thing for me to be remembering those right now <laughs> because the world's kind of in a place where we have to be strong. Um, we have to be peaceful warriors, I think, you know, so that our children and our grandchildren can keep going on, not to fight, but to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do, did you had any kind of uh, uh, paranormal experiences which you could remember and you could share like? Sure. Um, um, so during my divorce, it was a bad divorce. It was ugly. And this All was the many, divorce is ugly. Many years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Many years ago. Um, and I started doing meditation to help me be more relaxed and deal with the stress. The... It was a spiritualist church where I went to to learn the meditation. And um, they do the blue light. And I've always easily gone into visualizations and stuff during meditation, <clears throat> getting messages, whatever you want to call it. And there was, it was also during the time when. Um, nuclear war was being threatened in the world. So this was a few years ago. I was sitting in a, in a dark room with a few people and we were being silent. Um, I started seeing that I was in another room with a round floor and I could see that the walls of the room kind of leaned in as they went up and there was a small circle at the top of the room. And I was, I was saying little prayers with it. And I thought, oh, oh, oh no, I'm inside of a bullet. And I thought, does this have to do with the threat of nuclear war? And 
I started getting scared and then I calmed myself down and um, I started seeing the room expand. The walls of the room were going out, the little circle at the top was lifting up and everything turned pastel colors. And the circle at the top became a face. It was sort of looking at like at a stained glass window, only it was becoming alive. And then I realized that the walls were not walls, they were wings. And I, I felt love and I felt it down all through my body, down like to a cellular level. And um, I realized that I had been inside and the embrace, a hug of an angel. So I felt protected then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had a number of those kinds of experiences. Yeah. So do you believe angels exist? I'm sorry? Do you believe angels exist? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say yes. I. I believe that um, I don't know that we all define angels the same way, but yes, I believe they exist. And over time, well, can I tell you another little story? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I was in a bad car accident a few years ago that took me out of my career. <clears throat> My art, I'd always been a decent, decent at art. I could draw, I could paint. And I did that a lot as a growing up child. All that went away after my brain injury. I couldn't do the detail work or the control of the pen, pen or pencil anymore. So I thought, I'm gonna go get some art lessons and try to get some of this back. And he had me do what's called subconscious painting. Um, and you keep your eyes closed and you have a sponge and you have like three colors of paint in a bowl. And you go back and forth between dipping your sponge in and putting it on the canvas, but you're blindfolded. And you do that for 20 minutes, but you keep yourself focused on one thing. Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking angels. And after 20 minutes, which was hard to do after a brain injury, but I did it. After 20 minutes, it was a cherubim. That was what was on the campus. And it scared me. I wasn't ready for it to come out so strong, I guess. Um, so I didn't do anything with it for a few years. And then I went back and started doing it again. And I said prayers to St. Michael to keep myself focused and did it. And what came up was a green man. Um, a green man is, I think it's origination maybe is Celtic or something along those lines, but it's a guardian spirit of of plants and animals. And it, it struck me then that the angels and the fairies, all the elementals and the angels are on a spectrum. 
And along that spectrum are all the different things, the different entities that are invisible to us most of the time that help the earth or help humankind or whatever. And that St. Michael and the green man are, are kind of the same entity only on a different level or, or a different phase of the spectrum. So I become aware at times of what people would call fairies, but I think they are the elementals. And I think that there's a scientific explanation or connection for some of that. It doesn't mean they aren't real. It's a different name for the same kind of energy. So yes, that's a long answer to saying yes. <laughs> so let's uh, come to your book, the writings you have done. Like, um, how many books did you write so far? Um, this, the last one is my fourth one, but I think it's the only one in print right now. Mm -hmm. um, Pathways Walking Through Creation. Um, it's, it's a collection of 90 poems and the poems um, extend over my lifetime. They start about 1954 uh, when I was in, in elementary school. So I have a couple in there, two or three from when I whatever I could find that I still had from elementary school and um, go up through 2021. And I've been an activist of different sorts. So there's some things about social issues in there, environmental issues. Um, I don't write like Walton's Pond too much, although in a way, I like to write about, I think everything is connected and internally as well as externally. I think there's lots of proof for that. So I like to write about how we're very much like an ocean that's inside of us. We're walking around with the ocean inside of us. And, um, so I, I like to write nice things, but I also write about real issues that are kind of hard sometimes for people to hear about, but they're real issues that we need to see. Here in the United States, we kind of pretend that uh, there's a lot of things and we make them invisible. That way we don't have to deal with them. And I think it's important for things not to be invisible because spiritually we're all connected. Spiritually, we have to solve the everyday problems and work on those as much as we have to be connected to the larger things. I'm not for sure we can be connected to the larger universe or to the larger existence of everything if we're not also trying to connect to the everyday things that we deal with every day, you know? So. So the thing is like, uh, uh, like we human beings only have uh, five senses, you know? 
like the imaginary what we make in our mind is based on based on to the central experiences which we had with the senses whatever the contacts we are making with so there are higher dimensions are existing in which our senses may not be able to access into our science literature everything is based on that only like uh, what is our understanding of this entire pattern that that is what we make out from that right so there is there are higher dimensions like in yoga through yoga you can experience those higher dimensions basically like yoga is not just uh, stretching your body here and there and things like that it's it's, it's called hatha yoga is a branch of yoga then there is another branch which is raja yoga the king of yoga like it's mostly metaphysical yoga like uh, teaching senses what to see how to see like it's beyond what because the large is actually beyond our imagination and uh, explanation you know so that can be only can be experienced cannot be explained you know it's it's like love love is only can be experienced whatever you write it doesn't make any sense you know <laughs> right i i totally agree i think that's beautiful and those experiences people can't really take that away from us we can carry that with us and use it to feed us no matter what other people think or say and i think having that validated by people like you is very important that's important for people to understand that their experiences are their truth if they've experienced something that they know they're loved or they know they're protected or they have a knowing that's so important for them to have it validated yes i agree yes can you recite the three to four stanza of any of your favorite poem which you wrote Um can I read one that's a page is that okay? Uh yeah. I can like, do a short one if you want a short one. Like whatever you feel like uh, some five eight stanzas are fine. Like you know? Okay. Okay. Um, okay, this is one of those that we can't really understand it, but this was my attempt to express it. <clears throat> Musings on the macrocosm. From the darkness of not nothing, full of itself circling, pierced through by the light, sparking motion with notion, looking back on not nothing drawn through itself to the dawn of now let's see i have one on fear because i think fear is the thing that 
most of us need to work on. And I thought I had it marked, of course. Okay, page 52. We tend to get carried away by things in our culture, I think, that put us on the wrong path. And um, so this is a short poem about that. Fear, fear is contagious. We all feel it. Our natural fear is useful to those who love power. Controlling fear through culture makes profit. Controlling fear through politics makes war. Some say it makes the world safe, but never does it make the world safe from fear. Can you sing it like? <laughs> Pardon? Can you sing it? Is that okay? Is that possible? <laughs> I do have some poems that kind of have um, a beat in a, and a, a chant or a music to it. Yes, that could easily be put to music. Yeah, I have some small thing like... See, this is a... Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you want a heavy, <clears throat> a heavy duty poem? Um, whatever, like, you no. Know. <laughs> okay, okay. <clears throat> oh, go ahead, play the drum. <laughs> you sing. Oh, I wish I could. My voice is creaky and I've got some scar tissue. No, that's okay, but whatever, like. <laughs> I can do some toning. You want to hear some toning while I look for the other poem? Yeah. Do you like toning? Toning means like. Wait a minute. <clears throat> That's Tony. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, that's nice. Well, I can't find the, the one I wanted, of course, but I will bring in something else. <clears throat> I live on an island in the Pacific Ocean that used to be occupied by indigenous people. And the indigenous people were forced off of the island. Mm -hmm. And walking through parts of the island, I often hear some of the drumming. You know what I mean? And yeah, <laughs> yes. Drumming is like heartbeats, you know, like, uh, you know, the um, 
anglo indians like uh, you know there was uh, red indians was there in uh, us you know they used to drum like it's it's a it's a beats of the nature <laughs> yes and and the area used to be taken care of by the native americans they didn't disrupt it the way the settler culture did so um i i think the land wants them back <laughs> <laughs> so this is a poem i wrote about that ancient stones in the daybreak as breeze ruffles spruce hear crows call frozen time smell the breathy sigh of those waiting for the thaw as mist crouches upon paradise see almost but not quite timeless <clears throat> Timeless faces torn from island community. Some do mistake stuck as spiritual. Mired feelings drugged numb. Lies are not healing. Truth and justice on the drums. Names famed by cries. Bones of the mother bleed for the children gone. Groans reshape the land. Searing eyes flash vibrant flame. Stones shine as passion reigns. <laughs> That's, good. That's great. I love it. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> So where, where did the people can buy your poems? Um, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, mm -hmm. um, Village Books. I'm not for sure you have Village Books there, but you have the Amazon, I'm sure. Yeah. So Amazon is every place and it's good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's some, there's some old uh, loves poems and love lost and um then there's also poems more poems about spirituality and um the changes that we're going through and how we how we keep seeming to lose we keep seeming to lose ancient knowledge and I think it comes around again because I think we all carry it with us. How can we not carry it with us if we're consciousness and if we're evolving to become more conscious? But um, it also is sad to me when I realize, especially as they, as scientists explore and uncover more evidence of more cultures that have been here for thousands and thousands of years and to realize all that knowledge or or that awareness even of that culture is gone it feels sad to me but i do believe that we all carry it with us we all know what truth is and everybody has their piece of the truth and when we're all together and we respect each other, then we've got the whole truth because we each have a part of it, I think. 
So everybody's important. Everybody is unique. And we need to be listening to everybody, I think. So what were these other books you have wrote? Um, one of them is the, the, about the head injury I went through. That's the Phoenix Connection. Um, I, I need to redo that one, um, but there may be some old copies that you can find on Amazon. Um, and there was one I wrote, I care gave for my mom for a number of years. And I tried to come up with a manual to help other people because it's hard. Um, we don't really have big extended families here. Some groups of people here in the United States do, but the majority, especially those who work for corporate America, really don't have that kind of help. So it was, um, it was meant to help people, to remind people to prepare that they're probably going to have to take care of some member, elder member of their family and ways that they can make it easier for themselves um, and, and make it, because there's so many good things about it. It's too bad when the um, harshness or the everyday 24 seven outweighs the good parts. Like I had the opportunity to record stories of my mother's childhood. She grew up in the uh, 20s, 1920s. And so my grandchildren can know what farm life was like here in the 1920s. And that um, a, a piece of fruit and one toy was a big deal at Christmas and they don't, didn't always have that but they always had food because they lived on the farm and they could always share that food with other people on the holidays. And those kinds of things I think are important as we move through times where it's likely we're going to have to completely change our lifestyles. So I think it's uh, good to know. There were also songs that my mother sang that I could get the words down for, which reflected information of what life was like during World War II and what, um, what it was like as women made changes and went out of the home more and started working more and things like that. So there's a lot of richness and it's so nice to be able to tell my grand, my grandson, well, that's interesting that you're interested in the violin because your uncle Ross played the violin or your great uncle Ross played the violin or um, you, you, had, you had a great, great aunt who did the similar thing that you want to do, had the same interests you had. So there's a richness in learning more about your relatives' backgrounds by being a caregiver and sharing things that 
wouldn't be shared because you'd be living in separate places. See, that is interesting, actually, like uh, looking at into the family structure, what, what is actually happening right now. Like, uh, you know, uh, most of the people feel empowered uh, if they are out of the family and, uh, uh, and they think in that way that uh, being alone and uh, coming out from the family and uh, as early as possible, uh, if they can do it at the age of 18, that is good even if they can do at the age of 16 it will be so great so and start themselves like uh, start working for themselves uh, and funding them uh, funding for the schooling by themselves itself and uh, um, uh, growing up with the other peoples and uh, choosing the partner they want like for example in india the family structure what it happens in marriage is like uh, two families come together and they talk before the men and the women speak and they choose uh, what to marry and how to marry and uh, things like that there is a lot of things like that around that thing is existing and some people are believing that uh, these all things are shit and uh, we have to be in more liberated way and what what is the way do you feel like the family structure has to be looked like what do i think it should look like or what do i think where it's at now the family structure. Um, how do you feel? How do you reflect yourself to this? I think it's um, sad that as the corporate structure has become stronger, they encourage people to look at the corporate structure as family instead of their blood or instead of their friends. A lot of people, it's their friends who are their family. And that's great, but that's a whole different relationship than people who are going to use you to make money until, uh, uh, until you're too old to do it anymore. <laughs> that's a whole different situation. And I think we've gotten away from family in a way that's damaging, not only to our culture, but to our souls and to our minds. The coming times as climate change, et cetera, forces structures to change. We're going to have to go back to family. We're going to have to learn to have better and real relationships with people. We're going to have to value our children and everybody's children more because we have to have clean water and we have to have decent nutritional food to eat. Those are the basics and shelter. And you can't have a good community without strong families, whether it's blood or whether it's your best friends that you've made your family. Either way, those things are so important. And if we can be working on figuring out those relationships now and how to build better relationships between people. It's, I grew up because of my father's side of the family with probably 20 cousins that were within five years of age of each other. 
they were my best friends growing up with what has happened in our country politically over the last 10 years, probably longer, but it became more impacting on things like family, I'd say in the last 10, 12, 15 years. I have cousins that we hardly ever speak because the politics have, has caused such a divide between family members. Um, we have to learn how to listen to each other and how to figure out why we each think that way. Because this just didn't happen because they took some kind of a drug or something. This happened because they had some kind of an experience, some kind of a fear that made them want to think that way. So we have to talk this out. And I think there are groups here in the States who are forming to try to achieve that. What I see is that the people who are starting to see that we have to find some unity somehow are getting involved. Those people who need to hold on to there's good guys and bad guys that they're not willing to start the discussions. But it's a step, it's a step. And maybe from that also, we can heal families as well as culture. I think our culture has to change. Over here, over here our culture has been extremely competitive and extremely corporate to our undoing. And what else can I say? <laughs> <laughs> We have to change. Change to what? Change to um, where materialism is no longer the main goal, where corporate, um, where capital, runaway capitalism and corporate domination isn't going to happen anymore um so the the thing is like uh, there is communism has happened it was a great experiment like uh, soviet russia has came up and again it's turned out to be uh, become a capitalistic force the communism which is actually meant to fight against the uh, corporateism is become like another corporate capital like you know, so then it's failed actually, like it's failed in many places, like yes. um, it's failed yes. also. So how do you reflect to that? Like it's already well, done. It's, fail it's failed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we already tried to run out from the capitalism. We already tried to destroy the capitalistic forces and the humanity faced a very big failure and uh, it's 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 created uh, it's also created the uh, largest killers in the history like for example uh, stalin those people have killed people for the uh, to be become more secure like more become more uh, more better humans they killed people for become more better humans how do you see that like it's already failed we've been 
I think we're still coming out of the dark ages. We're still trying to find our way to um, a light that illuminates for us so we don't feel so fearful about everything. When I've looked into how our culture changed during the Middle Ages because of things like the Inquisition, I can see why science went the direction it did. I'm all for science. One of my degrees is in biology. However, I'm not for tobacco science. I'm not for science that dictates things that as if it's supposed to be worshiped. So you're right about um, capitalism and, and I agree with you everything you're saying. Mostly the people who have gone the routes they've gone were people who were very damaged by their culture, like Hitler. He was a person on the outside of things. He was unsuccessful with what he thought he wanted to do to become famous, and it got twisted and turned. I often ponder whether some of the hatred of one group of people against another group because of religion or how much melatonin they have in their skin or whatever is really about people. It's easier to give an example. So in, in my understanding of my background in the genetic and um, genealogy research that's been done in my family, I have all kinds of things in my background. Um, I come from every continent in the world except South America. So every continent I've got some lineage from that's within enough time that it can be found. In the late 1800s and early 1900s in the United States, I would have been called a Melungeon. That means I had a mixture of things like um, Anglo-Saxon, Turkish, Spanish, um, Mediterranean, African-American, probably Jewish, which I do. Um, it's 400 years back, but it's there. So it's in those days in the United States, people who were considered Melungeon were uh, also treated like people um, um, from Africa, African-Americans. And um, there were laws passed in some areas. Um, they, uh, against them owning land, et cetera, being able to vote. So those who could pass, those who got fair of skin, then moved across the United States and ended up on the West Coast eventually, many of them. You can trace them through parts of Southern Ohio, which my relatives also were in, all the way out to the West Coast. I believe that my grandmother on my mother's side, 
who when I would sing those Jewish songs when I was a kid or hum the tunes, um, she would hush me. She was a racist against Jewish people. Um, I believe that that could have come, that hatred or that racism could have come because as the people were trying to escape the racism on the East Coast, they were hushing their kids not to say things that would give it away what culture they originated from. And eventually, after many generations and being hushed, they thought that because they were hushed about it, that it was something bad. So they started separating themselves from those people. So I think a lot of hatred comes from fear. All hatred, I'm sure, comes from fear. But I also think it comes from a negative thing that happens when you're being enculturalized in your society. So a lot of the people who hate certain people really have that in their backgrounds. And they're running from it. They're not facing that they really are a part of everybody else. So we have to get back to seeing that we're all family. We're all of the larger family and that we have to make a better future for our children, for all children, or there won't be a human race. There we're, if spirit likes, we'll become something else with spirit to develop more from that modality. But um, we have to be worrying about decent food and clean water now. And we need to be planning for that. And I think it's great they're gonna build better roads here. And I think it's great that they're gonna make a better infrastructure. I hope it includes making sure that everybody on local levels knows how to get clean water or make the water they have clean enough to drink. Um, so do you want to say something to the people who are actually listening to this particular podcast, where they can connect to you, like what they can, for what they can connect to you and uh, uh, where, where they can buy the books from, like the books you have written. And it is actually interesting that you are making the point that we have to be unconditioned by ourselves. Like uh, there is a lot of conditioning as a human beings. We have a lot of conditioning. Like I belong to this particular caste. I belong to this particular region or I belongs to this particular religion. Like if we continue in that way, like I think we all will kill each other so soon. Um, yeah, because we all cry tears. We all want healthy children. We all want to be loved and to have somebody to love. And we're all people who share that. We're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> and we all want our children to survive and have a chance for a decent life. And I want that for everybody's children. Um, pathways can be gotten at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, my email is Bren Aster, B-R-E-N-A-S-T-E-R at AOL.com. And um, I appreciate this opportunity to share with you. 
And I hope that we all can find the things that help us to unify, to make a better world for all of us, for all of our children. So do you feel that the spiritual path is the way that we can actually connect to, to unify? Once you, once you realize that you're interconnected with everything else, once you have yeah that is the only way like we can actually realize that the the spiritual realization is very important basically you know like because science is actually explaining all the possible questions related to existence you know but uh, um Science is just the outside. It is not going to be inside. Like it's a pattern. It's finding out the patterns. I, I have a graduation in engineering, and uh, you had uh, done what? What is your qualification? Did you done a PhD? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. And science is a tool. Like our mind is a tool in the toolbox, and our experiences fill up the information that our toolbox can't get. And our heart, if we let our heart be the master, then we're going to use all those tools correctly. Does, did I answer your questions? There were a lot of questions there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, your presence itself is answering a lot of questions. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, wouldn't it be all wouldn't it be great if we all worked together on the questions <laughs> if we all discussed the questions and we heard everybody's opinion about the answers to the questions wouldn't that be great we all will come one day we, are, we all will come one day okay we all dream right. we are dreamers John Lennon. Have, yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <You're> dreaming. <laughs> well, I hope that we all, I hope that we can all have a similar dream for the future. I hope if we that, all have a That is not conditioned with the caste, religion, or whatsoever. Well, I, I don't, I'm... Um, I'll ask you because you are the one that's experiencing things with your students, with your yogic and, and those practices, correct? Correct. Do we all have similar dreams? We never share the similar dreams. We all have different dreams. We all have different dreams. Is there a commonality or an underlying commonality for all the different dreams see the beings are actually not all are higher beings like it starts from the lower beings like uh, the primary things the most of the dreams will be like animalistic dreams how do i how do i get that women into my bird how do I get that uh, uh, food in my pocket or how do I get that money in my pocket? This is animalistic dream. So it's, it's just to deal with the survival, you know, and uh, so that that is 
that is most of the beings are like that and when they want greed along with that this primary needs when it's mixed with the greeds so let's have a nuclear war so that i will get a large sum of things large quantity of stuffs things like that so this <clears throat> this is actually a separated dream like you know um, um conditioned dream then there are unconditioned dreams like john lennon and all you know <laughs> we dream <laughs> vision we envision that the their visionaries <laughs> and suddenly they will get killed yeah yeah <laughs> Yes, I I I hear you there. I hear you there. It's um it's always a risk to be the ball that bounces higher than other people, right? <laughs> um yeah, or or goes in a different direction. That's always a risk. And if we could have a culture where it was it was a great thing when people allowed themselves to take those risks. to find out what information they might bring back to the rest of us um that would be there have been times in the history of humankind in written historical time where there have been cultures that were open to different people's ideas and and to discuss just different different religions to sit down and have discussions was a fine thing and it was um part of the culture to do that without fear it was done in recognition that ideas were something to discuss and not something to be afraid of so i i would hope that we can get back to that place again where all ideas can be discussed even if we don't want to do some of them it's <laughs> yeah we soon will get into that otherwise we will kill each other <laughs> <laughs> i yeah um if if that's the way we're going to go it's just going to be a much harder world to survive and it's time to make choices i think that if we make if we can see what the outcomes of our behaviors are going to be i mean the guns are getting more um use of guns here is happening more and more recently there was somebody that discharged one in an airport and um young people who think they need to take them out on the street to protect themselves and it's um well we've always had that but it's it's been in the news more um in different segments of our society So if that's the choices we're going to make then life's going to get much harder for all of us. People have to start making choices I think and how we can encourage that to happen is where the discussions come in. I hope. I hope if we can have more discussions in schools where people learn more about the alternative histories that we're not told about usually as we're going through public school that would be great too 
because we learn more about how the actions of different people in our country have, have affected groups like the indigenous, like slavery, like those kinds of issues. Um, I think that's being discussed more and I think children are growing up more, more children are growing up now knowing alternative histories as well as the homogenized version that's taught in our public schools. As that happens, people be, will become more conscious because they'll see that people have been affected, large, huge numbers of people have been affected, even genocided by the decisions that were made to accumulate wealth. So I'm hoping that happens more often. So um, thank you for joining today. And, oh, uh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. It's been a joy to talk to you and thank you for the drumming. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay then. Um yeah. So do you have any website or anything that people can connect you? Um my my uh, email that I gave and Amazon book Sidekick Press is the publisher Sidekick.com mm -hmm. um, and you can I can always be reached through the publisher too. Okay. Okay. Bye then. Thank you for listening to my podcast. You could connect with me in arunsyoga.in where you could see my contact details including my phone number, my WhatsApp and email ID. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes.